0: Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the most high have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, So when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand, by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Amen.
1: I'm sure that every Christian will go through times of doubting in their Christian lives. Uh, Every Christian will have those times when they will question God's goodness, God's love. Every Christian will know those times when they doubt if God's there, if God knows what's going on in their lives. Uh, The doubts can come for a variety of different reasons. It may be that you feel disappointed with God. Uh, It may be that you feel that things didn't go the way that you thought they should have. It may be because of suffering or the suffering of those who are close to you. Like it or not, doubting and questioning God is going to be a part of any genuine relationship with God. And that's what stands at the heart of the psalm that we're looking at today. See, this psalm that we're looking at is one where the writer is wanting to question God's goodness. He's wondering if it's worth trusting God. He's wondering if it's worthwhile living a godly life, if it's worth being serious about a relationship with God. The psalm starts with this statement. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Let me try and reword that for you as we might say it today. Surely God's good to his people to those who were serious about living in a relationship with him. The writer obviously wants to affirm the truth of that statement. That's probably what he's been taught as a child. He'd like to be able to say that that was true. And we'd want to affirm that ourselves, wouldn't we? We'd like to say with the writer, Amen. God is good to his people. But the writer is struggling to hold on to that truth. He's doubting that truth. He's questioning whether or not God really is good. And look at how he expresses it. Verse number two. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. He's struggling to hold on to that truth. See, because that truth didn't really seem true to him. It didn't square with his reality. He says that when he looked around the world... It wasn't the godly people who seemed to be enjoying life. In fact, it seemed to be the arrogant, rich people who were enjoying life. It seemed to be the wicked people who were having a really good time. There's something really important to notice right at the beginning of this psalm. Go back to verse 2. Have a look at what it is that causes him to doubt. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I... Envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There can be a variety of things that will cause you to doubt in your life. You often hear of people who face great tragedies who start to question God. But this is different. It's not trouble that causes him to doubt. What causes him to doubt is the lack of trouble in other people's lives. Their lives seem to be sailing along so smoothly. Their lives seem to be going so well. They're the ones who seem to have it good. So if God's good to his people, why is it that the ungodly people seem to have it better? He sees the life of the rich and the arrogant and he starts to wish that his life could be a bit more like that he envies what they seem to have. And then it goes one step further because he doesn't just envy what they have, he wonders if the price of living a godly life is actually worth it at all. Have a look down at verse 13. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. In vain I've washed my hands in innocence. See, what he's really saying is maybe it's been a waste of time trying to live a godly life. Maybe I could have just enjoyed life a whole lot more if I'd just forgotten about you, God. Can I say, I think this is almost a timeless temptation, isn't it? I bet there have been people in every generation who have felt just this. What's the point? Is it really worth trying to do the right thing, trying to be godly, trying to be serious about my relationship with God, When there are other people who seem to be enjoying life a whole lot more than me, who aren't very godly. Well, have a look at what he sees when he looks around at these people. The writer said right at the beginning that his feet feel like they're slipping, but the ungodly people seem to be a whole lot more secure than him. He looks at those who are arrogant and rich. Uh, Verse number nine, their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. These people seem to be so secure, supremely confident. They've got the respect of everybody. And not only that, they're also actually quite healthy and strong. Have a look at, it seems strange, but look at verses four and five. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Do you know what I think of when I, when I hear this passage? I think of people sitting down in street-side cafes down in Bondi. They've got tanned, buffed bodies. They look so fit and healthy and they make me feel very flat and fat and flabby. Uh, they've got gold chains around their necks. They've got sun-tanned bodies. They've got their Mercedes SLK 230 parked just around the corner and the top down because it's a beautiful day and they'll be driving back to wherever it is that they live. Everything seems just right for these people. Nothing ever seems to go wrong for them. They're rich. And have a look at how he summarises it in verse number 12. This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. But then comes the turning point in the psalm. Have a look at verse 15. See, up to this point, he's only been looking at one side of the picture. He hasn't been looking at the whole picture. And then the change comes in verse 15. A few years ago we took our family to the UK for a holiday and uh, one of the things that we did when we were there was we went to Hampton Court Palace and there's a maze at Hampton Court Palace, a hedge maze that you get into. I'm not sure if you've ever been in one of those things. It was quite fun and exciting getting in there with the kids and wandering around trying to figure out where the other end of this thing is. After you've been in there about 10 or 15 minutes, it starts to get a little bit on the frustrating side. And then you start walking past the same group of people for the third or fourth time and and you realise they're just as lost as you are. And then you start talking with others, drawing diagrams and suggesting which way you might be able to go to get out. After about 25 minutes, you start taking an inventory of the food and water because you think (laughs) you might actually be in there for a long time. But often with these hedge mazes, what they have, and they had one here, is a tower up above it. So the person in the tower can tell you where to go to get out. See, because when you're looking at it from up above, it's dead easy. It's a no-brainer. You can say turn left and then right, and you can see exactly where the exit is. But you can't see it when you're in there. You can't see the exit. All you can do is see around the next corner. Well, I think that's kind of the experience that the writer has here. He gets a change of perspective. and. The way things looked from the ground level, well, they look very different from up in the tower. Have a look at the change of perspective that happens. Verse 15. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then... I understood their final destiny. See, what's happened here is that he's actually gone to the temple. And I don't think it's just going to the temple that's done it. I think he's actually realised that there's a different perspective on life. He'd been looking at things from his perspective, but when you start looking at things from God's perspective, the world's a very different place. And that's what the writer's done. Now, the rest of this psalm is really a contrast to the first part of the psalm. All of the things that he saw in the first part, he actually realizes that that's not how it is, and he shows you the contrast. When he sees things from God's perspective, things look very different. See, he thought that it was the rich and the arrogant who were secure, that they were the ones who had the secure life, and he envied the security that they have. But then he sees things from God's perspective and pick it up in verse number 16. When I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors as a dream when one awakes. So when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. See, it's not the ungodly people who have the security in this life. In fact, they're the ones that are on the slippery ground. They're the ones who are destined for destruction. Now, let's be very clear about this again. We said this last week. It's not their riches that are the problem. That's not the problem at all. There are plenty of godly, wealthy people in the pages of the Bible. God has no problem with rich people. The problem with these people is that they have shut God out of their lives. They've lived life as if there is no God. They've lived lives that aren't accountable to anyone other than themselves. And God is going to judge people who treat him like that. The writer realises that he is actually the one who is genuinely secure. Look at what he says in verse 23. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward, you will take me into glory. See, he's the one who's secure. Not only secure in this life, but secure for all eternity. But if the writer of this psalm can speak with such confidence when he sees it from the right perspective, how much more confidence can we have when we see it from our perspective. See, we see things from an even better perspective than the writer of this psalm. We see things from the perspective of the cross of Jesus. See, we're the ones who know about real security. We're the ones who know about our final destiny and just how secure it is. The Bible says that there is a judgment to come and Jesus promises that all those who place their trust in him are guaranteed forgiveness and eternal life. We have complete confidence and security because of what Jesus has done for us. He looked and, and it seemed to be the ungodly who were the ones who were actually healthy and strong. But when he sees things from God's perspective... It actually changes his view of things. We knew a Christian lady who, when we were up on the north coast, who was diagnosed with cancer. And she'd undergone a, a fairly serious treatment for the cancer that was really a last chance treatment. Uh, and she went back to see the doctor to receive the bad news that the treatment had failed and that the cancer was now progressing faster than they had imagined. She'd driven over to the specialist by herself. It was about 50 kilometres from where we lived in Mullumbimby to get over to where the specialist was. And the doctor said to her, would you like to have someone here with you while I tell you what the news is? And she said to the doctor, I have my trust in the God who made this world, a God who loves me and cares for me. What could you possibly tell me that would upset me? And she managed to face the rest of her cancer with that same confidence in God. And it's the confidence that the writer expresses in this psalm. It may be the ungodly who appear to be healthy, but maybe physical health isn't what it's cracked up to be. I love what he says in verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. See, again, as people on this side of the cross, we actually have huge confidence and we know that we are the ones who have a great future. This is the way Paul describes it in Philippians chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Isn't that great news? Isn't that great news with our failing bodies down here? That it's not about having physical health in this life, but it's about knowing that one day our bodies will be transformed to be like the body of Jesus. God is good to his people, not because he promises them good health in this life, but because he promises them that when this life draws to a close, they'll enjoy good health with him forever. Though my flesh and my heart may fail. And who are the rich people? Now that he can see things from God's perspective, it's not the ungodly who are the wealthy ones anymore. It's those who know God personally. They're the ones who are rich. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And from the perspective of the cross, the Apostle Paul says this, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We really couldn't be any richer, could we? Let me take you back to the very beginning of the psalm. Do you think that sometimes you might be a little bit like the writer of this psalm? Do you think that sometimes you may look at the lives of other people and actually envy what it is that they have? Do you find yourself wishing that you had somebody else's life? Do you find yourself wondering about the cost of living a godly life? Wondering if it is worth it? So, remember what the writer said right back at the beginning? Surely God is good to, the, to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He's questioning whether or not that's true. But do you know what? I think his doubts right at the beginning, they actually, they, they actually come from a misunderstanding of what is good. See, so he'd begun by thinking that good was actually being rich, that good was the same thing as financial prosperity. But do you see where he goes right at the very end? Verse 28. He actually gets a very different definition of good. But as for me, it is good to be near God. The good that God wants for us is that we'll have that personal relationship with him that lasts not only for this life but forever. The good that God wants for us is that we'll live faithfully in that relationship with him. The good that God wants for us is that we will grow to be more like Jesus. It's a great line in this psalm, isn't it? Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Do you think there are words that you can echo in your life? Or do you think there might still be a few people who you do envy and you wish you had their lives or wish you had what they have? Do you think that you believe that with all your heart? Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Do you think that other people can see that in your life? Do you think that other people can see that the most important thing for you is your faith in Jesus? It's a great psalm, but I love the way that he finishes. Those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge... I will tell of all your deeds. So the writer of this psalm doesn't walk away simply confident in the knowledge that God is the one who rules over everything. He walks away realising that there are other people that he needs to tell this to. That this is news that's actually worth passing on, especially to those people who are far from God, especially those who don't know God. The writer's disappointment with God has turned around to complete confidence and his questions have turned around to absolute trust and the end result of all of that is that he wants to tell others about how great his God is. And that should be the practical application for us as well, shouldn't it? How about we pray? Pray.